0: Hey folks, Eric Smith here, radio voice of the Toronto Raptors, NBA host and analyst with Sportsnet. I want to shout out my man Chris and 30 Minutes Live with CDP. Even though I know Chris, you're not a Toronto sports guy, you've got those allegiances to the Detroit-Windsor area, the Pistons, the Red Wings, the Tigers, and for some reason the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm still trying to figure that one out, Chris. Why'd you drop the Lions? Why'd you drop the Lions, Chris? There's got to be a reason there. We'll have to fill uh, everybody in on that another time, I suppose. But again... Check out 30 Minutes Live with CDP every Wednesday and Friday. It's on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook Live, you name it. Chris is everywhere across all platforms. And if you just want to check out the audio version, maybe you're going out for a walk and you just want a podcast or something, you can get it on Apple, Google Podcasts as well, Spotify, Anchor FM, and Radio Public. So again, I told you, Chris is everywhere. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that I can be a guest on the show at some point this summer, as well, Wednesdays and Fridays, thirty minutes live with CDP. Check it out.
1: Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, welcome to Live with CDP on this Friday, August thirteenth. Sorry, what is it? August. Uh, sorry, August twentieth. Got it. Friday, August twentieth. I have a double header today. With I'm just uh, I have two guests coming on today. One at twelve o'clock. Pat Gregor from Cool Beck, Canada and the color analyst for the uh, Halifax Th- Thunderbird of the New York Cross League will be on shortly. And at three o'clock today, I have Mike Camito, uh, the uh, team historian for the uh, OHL Sudbury Wolves. And and he's also the Los Angeles Kings website uh, writer. And he's also uh, the author of a hockey book called Hockey 365. And I'm looking forward to speaking to uh, both Pat and Mike today on my podcast so like I said guys I've got a busy uh, day today with two podcasts and then uh, Monday I have Brian Corzio uh, the Sabres pre and post game host from the Sabres coming on at 10 o'clock and then Tuesday at 12 o'clock I have the Philadelphia Phillies uh, TV voice from uh, NBC Sportsnet in Philadelphia uh, Tom McCarthy Who's also a play by play announcer for the NFL on CBS? He'll come on Tuesday morning or Tuesday at noon. Uh, pardon me and talk some Phillies baseball and his uh career in broadcasting and some maybe some NFL as well. And I'm looking for, really looking forward to that as well. So uh just bear with me guys. Uh Pat will be on shortly. He's just a little bit behind. So while we're waiting for Pat I'm just gonna put some stuff on here. Just give me one second. This is my first cat today, Pat Gregor. This will be his third time on live with CDP uh live with CDP podcast. Again he's from Quebec Canada and he's a Analyst for the National Lacrosse League's Halifax Thunderbird. So anybody who's watching this has any lacrosse questions, uh, please feel free to put them in the comments section and I'll see if I can uh, get Pat to answer some of your questions and stuff like that. You can also follow Pat on Twitter at P Gregory. And just one second, guys. I think Pat's here right now. Uh, one second. I'm gonna bring uh, Pat Gregor on from Coolback Canada and the Colorado analyst for the uh, Thunderbirds. One second. Hey, Pat, how you doing?
0: Good, Chris. How you doing, buddy?
1: Good, good, good. Don't worry. I was just uh, just doing a little talking until you were ready to come on and stuff like that. So I'm uh, just looking forward to talking to you again.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Sorry, I was a little bit me? late there, but uh, oh, I can hear you loud and clear, man. Loud and clear.
1: No worries. I always still like to check. There is now this room in here before I go live where I can have my guests come on and we can do audio checks and all that too as well before I actually go live, which is kind of neat. StreamYard, I tell you, people should be using StreamYard over Zoom as far as I'm concerned.
2: Absolutely. I know the, uh, the audio check before, if you can get your guests on a little early, that definitely helps. Uh, but unfortunately, your guest here today was yeah. uh, was running a little bit behind, yeah. but uh, I'm glad yeah. we're on now and we can chat again.
1: Yeah, no worries. Uh, how are things going anyways?
2: Good, good. No complaints. Been really busy, um, obviously, with Coolback Canada. It's usually the dog days of summer uh, um, in sports, but uh, with COVID pushing everything back, um, you know, we had basketball running in late. We had hockey running in late. Um, baseball has been great for us this year. Uh, as well, we had the Olympics, um, some big soccer tournaments as well with the Euro 2020 and Copa America. So things have been definitely busy with Coolbet, And then uh, on the lacrosse front, um, you know, a very busy as well as a lot of the junior and senior leagues here in Canada were able to start back up. So I did some some coaching this summer, uh, still doing that as well. But then I was also doing the Ontario Championships a couple of weeks ago in Oakville. Doing their broadcast, so uh, and then also getting ready for the NLL draft. Uh, that's next week. So uh, it was scheduled to be in Buffalo, uh, but obviously with uh, concerns with the border, as we saw, pushed back. Um, no, no essential uh, travel. Yeah, so it's going to be held virtual, like it was last year.
1: I found that out last week because uh, I had Billy Joel tickets and a lot of Canadians couldn't go. And we had to kind of uh, uh, push Ticketmaster and the promoters of this Billy Joel concert uh, to give us refunds. I would have rather have gone to the concert, but it was supposed to be uh, August, to August 21st, mm-hmm. but I have no idea if the US government's going to extend it or they're going to open it up like we did with the americans on august 9th
2: right yeah so that that's the big thing i mean you can fly into the states right now that's a little bit of a loophole but um because it's yeah. in buffalo there's no direct yeah. flights from from toronto to buffalo so we would have had to fly into chicago and then from chicago uh, up into buffalo which would have been fine for the broadcast crew but you got to think chris like yeah. Uh, The majority of the players that are being drafted are coming from Canada. So that's a lot of people you've got to fly in. A lot of the teams uh, are Canadian, even if they're not Canadian-based the managers, the coaches, the scouts are from Canada. Um, And it also is planning on being the hall of fame induction uh, that weekend as well. So there's a, there was just far too many moving parts. So they're going to postpone the hall of fame uh, induction, I believe to later during the season uh, when the borders are are open up again. Um, But then we're going to host our virtual draft, which is actually just announced probably about seven minutes ago that we're, we're going to do the virtual draft. It will still be available uh, for folks watching in Canada on TSN.ca. So you can stream that live. The NL signed a, a deal with TSN. So all the games for uh, the National Lacrosse League will be on TSN uh, direct or on .ca. And then one game a week, the game of the week pretty much, um, will be uh, on TSN on television as well. So huge, huge news for the National Lacrosse League.
1: I was going to say that is uh, that that is great news because it gives exposure and like I said I, I would like to go attend a game this year in either Hamilton or Buffalo. Now I found something where you just came on Pat the uh, OHL is not going to have any of their teams do travel cross border traveling until November 3rd and I'm just wondering if the uh, league's been told by the provincial government that uh, maybe November 3rd uh, teams will be able to cross the US border because there are three US based uh, OHL teams in Erie uh, Saginaw and what was the other one? A- Aries, Saginaw, and Flint. Uh, Flint. Flint, yes. I keep forgetting about it. I keep wanting to say Plymouth because they were the Plymouth that's, whalers yep, for so yeah, long. Exactly, and then yeah. they went to Flint. So um, th- apparently I got this from Tony Sexton from Golf today, that November 3rd. So I'm wondering if the OHL has already been told by the government or somebody in the U.S. about uh, when that's going to open.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, go- you- yeah. I was just going to say, absolutely. I think uh, all these leagues have to be in constant communication with the government and things always change. Um, that's obviously the plan right now. It could change. It might get pushed back. Um, but I think that's a good, a good uh, date as it, it's still a few, you know, a couple months away. Um, hopefully we get things uh, in order here with this Delta variant um, and things can kind of settle down. We get higher vaccination rates. Um, And then that, that border will open up and there will be no problem with those teams going back and forth. As you mentioned, you know, it's not, they don't have enough teams to have you know, an American division where they could play each other just on state side. So that, that's a tricky part. And that was a a big thing with the national lacrosse league is that, you know, 75%, maybe even more pretty no, definitely more, probably about 85%, um, hail from Canada, um, or territories uh, indigenous territories um in canada so the majority of the league has to cross the border even when they're playing for an american team so um for the the the, the situation for the national lacrosse league very similar to what uh, the ohl has to deal with for sure
1: when was the uh, lacrosse league looking up to starting up the regular season there was it the end of november or december
2: uh, first weekend of December. So I Saturday. believe the first game would have been that Friday, which is the third, I believe. Uh, and then Halifax uh, would be hosting Saskatchewan um, on the fourth. So by chance, if if the borders weren't open, um, I, I still imagine they probably have to switch some scheduling around. But for the most part, I think it's going to be all figured out by then. And, um, you know, we'll have no problem with with crossing the border and, and you know, having to worry about anything about that.
1: Yeah, I, and also I heard yesterday Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, uh, all their employees and fans and players, I guess, will have to be fully vaccinated as well. So it's going to be interesting the next couple of months and stuff. Yeah. With all that. Absolutely. As
2: well. Absolutely.
1: And uh, the OHL, they haven't said nothing yet publicly, but I'm assuming they will eventually announce something as well about that as well
2: yeah I mean you'd have to you definitely have to think that that's probably the route that they will take as well. Um, as you mentioned, nothing's come out uh, anything just yet, but uh, I know for the NLL, a lot of those buildings uh, where these teams play um, they either have an NHL or an NBA team in them. so if their rules uh, follow what you know the NHL and the NBA teams are doing, um, then most likely the NLL or the OHL will will follow suit as well.
1: Okay. Well, what we'll do is uh, I have some questions for you and we'll just start with, we'll start with lacrosse first and then we'll go to some NFL stuff. I wasn't too, I wasn't too happy with the Eagles last night. I, I pay, I pay more attention to preseason football now than i ever have in the past because last year we went four months without sports and now it's like okay sports are on i'll watch it so uh we'll get into that after but my first question i wanted to ask you pat is thoughts on the return of the nll and uh your 2021 halifax thunderbirds how how do they look so far with the roster for this upcoming season
2: yeah, so, um, well, just initial thoughts on the NLL. I think it's it's great that the NLL is coming back after such a long uh, um, hiatus due to COVID-19. Um, and I was listening to an interview, uh, Nick Sakevich, the commissioner, and he brought up a great point. Um, the NLL is probably going to be one of the last leagues to start again because they're in December. So we've seen MLB come back. Um, we've seen the nba the nhl the nfl would have uh you know have played a season last year so it's been a long time since lacrosse fans have been able to see NLL lacrosse so i think this year especially with that year um not having a season last year we've we've seen a lot of turnover with roster there's a lot like this summer was a crazy free agency we've seen a lot of big names move around um no retiring or anything so uh, but it, there have been some trades as well. So I think fans are, are going to see a lot of new look teams. A couple of the teams that were bottom feeders last year went out, grabbed some big free agents. Uh, new York Riptide is one uh, that I can think of for sure. They also had the first round draft pick. Uh, First overall pick in the draft, uh, Jeff Teat, who is a generational talent. So I think New York is a team that's going to be exciting. But looking at the Halifax side side of things, uh, I think they are going to pick up where they left off last. I think they're a championship contending team. Um, they've added some big pieces as well on the back end. Their defense should be improved, um, and their offense is pretty much the exact same um, that they came into last year when they were one of the top offenses. They lose Ryan Banesh in expansion to Panther City, which is the new Fort Worth organization, um, but they also gained a, a big player in Stefan LeBlanc, who I think uh, maybe won't be able to fill up the goal scoring that Ryan Banesh leaves, but I think he's the type of player that is going to provide some secondary scoring uh he's a guy that plays really way uh, well away from the ball um he he can set hard picks he's a big body plus he lives in halifax so he's going to be a guy that's going to be big to you know all the local promotions working with the minor lacrosse levels and really trying to grow the game um in halifax and in nova scotia
1: how many teams in the league as of currently right now i think you told me before but
2: i forgot so right now I believe they're they have it's so they have four teams in the East division um well last year so it was four teams in the East division four in the West and four in the North uh, but then they added Panther City so that is then a, an additional team in there um and then next year Vegas will pop in so um I I do believe it'll be 13 what is it um what do they have right now so um what did i just say did i say four in each division no yeah, four. Yes. four yeah so four in each division but i do actually the west has an extra so it's 13 panther city's 14 and then i believe vegas will be number 15 okay
1: i was gonna say um what did they name the vegas team again
2: uh, they haven't named it yet, so okay, that's, still, okay. they, that's still there. But they have their ownership group, and it's a pretty impressive uh, ownership group with Wayne Gretzky, um, Steve Nash, uh, Dustin Johnson, and then the owner of one of the owners of the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Joe Tsai, who also actually owns the San Diego Seals um, of the National Lacrosse League. He has ownership in this group as well, too. So, a very impressive ownership group. Um, obviously you hear the big names uh, right there, but Wayne Gretzky and Steve Nash also played lacrosse growing up. So they're no stranger of the game of lacrosse as well. So uh, it's pretty exciting. I think Vegas, as you know, you see what they've done um, with the golden Knights, uh, a very good atmosphere, a great following, and I'm excited to see what the Raiders are going to be able to do this year as it's their first season where they'll be able to at least have fans in the stands. So I think that's going to be really well-received as well, and I couldn't see why why not the the NLL team will be a success there too.
1: There's one city, I don't know why they don't have a team, and they have all the four major pro sports teams there, and uh, Detroit. I really think, have they ever looked at Detroit as a possible expansion franchise? They have the arena. And that there's millions of people like in that area in Detroit, there's probably over two million people. So have they ever talked about Detroit as a possible expansion team for the
2: NLL? Yeah, there have been rumblings before. I think it just all depends on the ownership group. And I I do think that now with Little Caesars uh, Arena being built, um, I think for sure that could be an option down the road. That's a great point they actually did have a team uh, back in the early 90s i believe it was the detroit turbos and they were a very very good lacrosse club i believe it was even into the 80s as well but i think they finished up around the 90s uh but they were a fantastic team they had great crowds um, and is just when the it was a, a previous league before the MILL, the Major Indoor Lacrosse League, then mm-hmm. merged with the NLL, and I believe that was one of the teams to to go under. But that would be a great a great team, and uh, Michigan has has a pretty good history of of lacrosse. It's normally field lacrosse that the players that have developed, but I, that's a great call, Chris. I think uh, Little Caesars Arena would be great, and I think that just it would be finding the right uh, ownership group, but I know Nick Sakavich, the commissioner has been really trying to find ownership groups that already, like you mentioned, have uh, either an NBA team and NHL an team. Um, and then also have the rights to the arena because then that's where they can, you know, you're not fighting with other teams f- to fill in dates. Whereas if, okay. if they're all owned by the same team, they're yeah. all wor- working together to, to evenly spread out. Obviously, you know, uh, that was one big issue that the Toronto Rock had is they had to compete against the Leafs, the Raptors, and then all the concerts that come. And because they weren't owned by Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, they were the last pick. So that's why they moved to Hamilton. And now it's just going to be Hamilton, um, the uh, the OHL team, and, and the the Rock that are going to have to work hand-in-hand for that schedule. So Detroit, great call. I think that would be an awesome place for an NL team.
1: Well, and the thing is, it would give them more dates to fill the arena. Like, obviously, they got the Red Wings and the Pistons, and they would get first priority. But they would always have those two teams going on, plus the lacrosse team, plus they get a lot of concert zero once things get better. So to me, and I I think the – I shouldn't speak for them, but I think the uh, owners of the Red Wings or the Tigers – I uh, would be it would be I think it would be good for the league. And I think I think the lacrosse league would do well and right? try uh, just given the right uh, ownership, like you said, right, ownership and management and and letting people know what the sports like, because I'm still learning about it all the time.
2: Absolutely. I, I, I definitely think that's a no brainer. I I haven't really heard too, too many rumblings in the last few years, but I, I do think that Right now, that that certainly should be, you know, a high priority area. And I know that they're really working on getting more and more teams into this league. Um, I I imagine they'll probably want to add a couple of more Canadian teams. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Edmonton has been rumored to get back into the league. They were the Saskatchewan rush before um, they moved there so uh, they want to get a team back and there's apparently um, some interest from the Oilers ownership group to put a a a team in that building and like you said Chris um, these teams have to fill up these arenas these multi-million dollar billion dollar arenas right yeah and it costs money for for uh, an arena just to sit empty on a night right so if you can add more of those dates when let's say in the winter when especially for Detroit by chance if the wings and the pistons are away, uh, and you don't have a concert coming in, that's a full yeah. weekend, that's a lot of money missed out, right? So, if you can fill in those dates, like, and I think yeah. a team I, I, I was on the Canadian teams to go back to what uh, I was just saying. Uh, Winnipeg would be another uh, I think a great option as well in in terms of the Canadian team Um, their building is already pretty full so they don't really have to worry about that too much but the game of lacrosse is really growing in Manitoba and I think just the support that that city has shown for all their teams, especially with the Jets, um, yeah. Manitoba Moose as well. I think that is certainly a no-brainer. Um, but sticking with the theme with some American teams, I think Nashville. I've heard a lot of interest at, in putting a team in Nashville, potentially another team in California as well. Maybe a San Francisco team, a new building there as well. So the the, the ongoing theme is is – you know, the teams that already have the infrastructure in place with a, a building. Um, and if you compare it with a team that's owned by or sorry, a building that has, you know, either NBA or NHL ownership tied to it, that's usually a winning formula. But there are also some outliers as well as, you, you know, a team like Halifax, definitely a smaller market, a smaller building, uh, but it's been very successful in their first year. A team like Saskatchewan uh, in the last you know 5 6 years since they've entered the league have had the best attendance by far and they sell out that building at Sasktel um uh, night in night out um and, but then you know there, there there are those other instances but you know the teams like the buffaloes um you know the the, the colorados those teams that have nhl and nba ownership already in place um and, and they have that fan base deeply rooted it's yeah. great so it obviously might be a struggle at the start, but if you can find the right ownership group that can support and, as you mentioned, push that marketing um, and, and fill out those dates, it seems like a really good winning formula for the NLL.
1: Well, and look at the CE Bell. They just expanded to Scarborough, yeah, which is their great. eighth team. And then Montreal is going to be the ninth franchise uh from what I've been told, so I think eventually the CEBL will have at least ten teams, and I know the CFL is still looking at Halifax, but I think yeah. that was put on hold because of the pandemic. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, like I said, if you do it the right way, and I think, I think what the yearly DNL is doing and the CEBL is doing it the right way, you don't want to have two, three, four, five teams coming at once. You want to spread it out and and yeah. and do it do it smartly.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I, 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 kind of was surprised, uh, and I'll, I'll be honest, I, I don't follow the CEBL too, too in, intently, but you know, I, I do definitely keep tabs on the league, and um, you know, with you being involved with the golf team as well, so I, I, you know, I follow a lot of the teams keep keep a tabs on the league, but I was pretty surprised when I first found out about the league that there wasn't a team based in the GTA and having that Scarborough team now is great. I think, yep. uh, I think what they're doing there is fantastic. I don't know where they're going to play, play out of. I don't know if you know, Chris, um, but it, it's uh, I think Scarborough, I mean, I I grew up in Ajax, so I'm only about 15, 20 minutes away from Scarborough. A lot of my friends in high school, um, even that, you know, grew up in Ajax or lived in Ajax, they would go and play their, their, you know, their travel basketball in Scarborough. So there is so much grassroots growth and development in basketball right now um, for Scarborough. So I think it's a no-brainer for these kids that, to know, okay, you know what, if you go down to the the NCAA or you stay here and play CIS basketball – And if you don't make the NBA or you don't make the G League or you don't want to go overseas and play in Europe, there is somewhere to play right here at home in Canada. And it's quality basketball as well, too. It's very good basketball and it's only going to make the product of basketball in Canada even better because these kids are going to be able to see that there is a place to play, you know, once your collegiate season or your collegiate careers are done.
1: I was going to say the MasterCard Center where the Leafs practice. I'm wondering if that would be, like, to me, the CEBL, I think they'd want some arena with 5,000 seats. I don't know if that even seats how many people, but that would be one possibility. But I don't know about the seating capacity for that uh, practice facility where the Leafs are.
2: Yeah, and that that's kind of closer to, like, a Etobicoke. So I think they probably would want to play on the east side, east side. of the okay. city, right? Yeah. So. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything in Scarborough that, that could, that they could play there and uh, I'm drawing a blank. I know that they built a a building for the Pan Am games, so Mm -hmm. I'm not too sure what, what that building would hold, but that could potentially be a spot. I know that was, um, either in Scarborough or, or North York or something like that around there. I'd be interesting to see, but so is that, is that kind of the formula then Chris, I'll ask you, although I know you're doing the interview, I'll ask you a question here, but, um, is that kind of what a lot of the CEBL uh, teams, they play in those mid size arenas like the OHL arenas and, and whatnot, right?
1: Yeah, like the Nighthawks play at the Sleeman Center. Uh, yep. The Honey Badgers play at the First Ontario Center, but that is way too big. And yeah. I think eventually they're going to renovate it. And get it down to maybe ten thousand people. I'm not sure on that. But, yes, uh, actually,
2: yeah, you're you are correct. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, no. I know I know that because Hamilton, um, they're going to be hosting the the Toronto Rock, right? So yes, that was one thing as well because it does seem like it's a, a very big building. And, yeah. um, but that was one thing that they did say that they are going to be doing some renovations, adding in some luxury suites and stuff. So that's going to take away some seating.
1: Well, it's like Ottawa plays uh, where the 67s play. Uh, yep. Ideally, I can't speak for the league itself, but most of the teams play in arenas between 5,000 and 6,000, and I think that's perfect. I don't think they want to play in NHL-sized arenas because if you if you get four or five thousand people in those arenas, it still looks empty. So I think ideally they want the teams to play in OHL-sized arenas.
2: Right, right. So, I mean, I'm just looking right now. I looked it up. It's the Toronto Pan Am Sports Centre. Um, and it looks like that is, it's a it's actually a huge, huge facility. Um, but it looks like that probably could maybe hold the, the number one court. It says it looks like it probably could hold maybe a, a couple thousand, but um, you probably could put in some temporary seating on game mm-hmm. days to add yeah. a couple more thousand in there. So, yeah. I, and you know what? If, if you're going to draw you know three four thousand a game I'd rather have it packed and sold out obviously covid depending on yes. social distancing rules but once we get back to normal I've always found even if you have a building that let's say holds you know twelve thousand and you have eight thousand or seven thousand in that mm-hmm. that building, you have a smaller building and it's almost full to capacity at 5,000, that building sounds way louder just because it is a smaller, more intimate building. So maybe that's what this Scarborough team's going to do. And I think that'd be something that'd be very interesting. And I I think it's going to really, really thrive um, in that area because Scarborough is a a basketball hotbed.
1: And that's what the league was looking at too. And um, I can't remember the owner's name, but I guess he has something to do with OVO.
2: Yes. I guess yes. I did see that too. Yeah.
1: I, I think it's a gentleman's younger. Uh, I think he's 36 or 37 years old, but mm-hmm. um, the way the leagues run with Mike Morreale right, as a commissioner, uh, I think they're doing it right. And they've already got the team's name, the shooting stars. Yeah. Uh, and they've, I think they already got their logo and they're already on social media. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that as for Montreal, I'm not sure where they would play and when they're going to start up, but it, it,
2: I think the league's heading in the right direction as well. So, I'd be curious if um maybe they would play in there. I believe there's a, a relatively new arena in Laval where yes. the hockey team plays there. Because actually Chris Again, lacrosse gets brought up, but that's one market that I've heard a lot of rumblings to potentially get a team is Montreal, but they would play in that building um, at Laval, not in the Bell Center, because yeah, again, it's too, big, too big, way too big. You know, twenty thousand yeah. people, like yeah. maybe for a yeah. playoff game. Once you really grow a fan base and pack yeah. that place, um, yeah. but the the Laval Center is a lot smaller. I forget the name of it, but uh, that would be definitely a good, great spot for a cebl team too.
1: Definitely. Okay, just a couple more lacrosse questions I wanted to ask you. I know it's going to be hard for you to answer this because the the, the league's been shut down for a long time, but who do you think could be some of the top NLL teams, in your opinion, for this season coming up?
2: Right. Well, you know what? To be quite honest, I'm going to sound biased here, but I do think the Halifax Thunderbirds are a championship caliber team. As I mentioned before, uh, they were one of the heavy favorites to win before we hit the pause button and then eventually the cancellation button uh, before COVID-19. Um, but they pretty much returned their entire roster with a couple of changes and more more additions, I would say, and some quality additions, I do think. Um, but they're in a very tough division. A team like the Toronto Rocker, another team that I kind of have circled as a top contender, and the Buffalo Bandits, and both those teams are in their division. Uh, and I believe the way that they, the the alignment works this year, instead of last year where it was three division, it's just going to be an East and a West. And I believe it's the top three teams um, get in on on the the east side, um, so it's going to be tough. There's going to be some good teams, you know, left out. Um, Georgia's another great team; they're always a championship contender team. But if you look on the west, I think the no brainer right now is the Saskatchewan Rush. Uh, they're a championship powerhouse. I, you know, they they've since they've moved um, to Saskatchewan, they've always been the top team in the west. I think they've won something crazy like 11 straight uh, West division championships in the regular season. The only question mark they have is they haven't re-signed their veteran goaltender, Evan Kirk. So they have to figure out what's going on in the net. And if they do, uh, there's no reason why Saskatchewan can't be a top team.
1: Okay. Yeah, because I know it's it's like with the OHL, I get people asking me and I'm like, guys, there's going to be a lot of player turnover, yeah. a lot of rookies. I know the Golf Storm this year have 13 uh, first year players on their team. So mm-hmm. I've told people I'm not making any predictions. I'm just glad no. the league's back. But when you have that many changeovers and new players, it's going to take time for the team to gel and get used to playing each other. And as you know, rookies too in a league, even in the lacrosse league, it takes time to get used to that league. Yeah. And mistakes yeah. are going to happen too.
2: Yeah, and Chris, I mean, it's going to be even crazier for the OHL considering that there's only a certain amount of you know players that can play due to age, right? So you're yeah. aging out players that are, are graduate. Now there's going to be two you know, two rookie draft classes essentially because they've they missed out on a season last year. So you, you you look at that and and it's it's completely totally a wild card. But you know what? It's going to provide some great entertaining hockey because you don't know who's going to be the top teams. I mean, you can look at on paper and see, but as you mentioned, there's just far too many X factors going into a, a season like this, and I don't want to call it an unknown season, but it's pretty close. Um, I, I certainly know I, I'm excited to, to get back in and watching some some OHL hockey. Uh, I try to go to as many Generals games as possible. That's the closest team out this way. So, um, you know, I definitely, definitely am looking forward to getting the OHL back.
1: Yes. Okay. And uh, just two more lacrosse questions for you, Pat. Are you still sure. good for time for a little bit?
2: Absolutely, man.
1: Okay. Um, who do you think could be the top five players in the NLL Ooh. this year? top 5 wow, or even top wow,
2: 3. Wow. I can give you my top 5. So I think um I'll go with a couple a couple of guys off the top. I think right now the best the best player offensively is is Lyle Thompson. He plays for the Georgia Swarm. He is just an unbelievable special talent. Um what he can do on both sides of the floor. I mean generally it's you know, you play offense, you get off the floor, and then the defense comes out. But he has the capability. If he has to stay on the floor, he can play defense. Um, he's got some of the best hands I think I've ever seen. He's his IQ is is through the roof. Um, he's a physical specimen, he's just you know, when he's on the floor, you have to keep your eye on number four because He's a, an electrifying player. Um, I think, you know, Mark Matthews is another one. He's won an MVP before. He's a part of the Saskatchewan Roughriders. He's a part, a big reason why they've been, I don't want to call them a dynasty, but as close as you can get to a dynasty winning multiple championships. Um, and so I think he's got to be there in that top five. Um, from a defensive side, uh, I think Graham Hossack, who plays for the Halifax Thunderbirds, by far, the best defensive player in the game right now three-time defender of the year and the thing with him is he's getting better offensively so when he pushes the ball up the floor he's scoring on those odd man rushes um you know he's setting up plays he can even stay on offense now if you want to so i would and I didn't want to say him first, but I think you can make an argument that, that Graham Hossick is the best player in the best overall player in the National Lacrosse League there. So that's my top three. I think uh, Shane Jackson, another Georgia Swarm, he won the MVP um, the last time they touched the floor. He's a guy that is, uh, you know, he's short in stature, but he takes a beating. He's not afraid to go to the middle. Uh, he's got great vision, great hands, um, great lacrosse IQ. So I think he's got to be, Um, In that top, top five as well. Um, And then I think to round out my list. Oh boy, who else can I throw in there? I'm going to say, I'll say actually another Georgia swarm player is maybe Randy Stotts or maybe we can go with another team as well. I'm going to say um, Mitch Jones, Mitch Jones for the Vancouver uh, warriors. He's a, uh, you know, he's had a couple of really, really good seasons in a row. And I think he's, I think he had about 74 points last year. I think he's poised to have another really, really big year as well. So.
1: Okay. Uh, well, I was going to say, and then my next question I was going to ask you, we, we talked about this the last time I had you on my podcast, but I uh, just wanted to get your opinion. How do you think the Toronto Rock will perform uh, record-wise and also being in their new city of Hamilton? And how do you think the fans will take to this franchise uh, still keeping the name Toronto instead of changing it to Hamilton or Ontario? I think it's a mistake in my my opinion on that.
2: No, no doubt. There's definitely, it's definitely, I would say it's for sure, uh, you know, I don't want to call it a mistake, but maybe something that they probably should have dug into a little bit more. And I understand, um, you know, the reason why they they did it, um, you know, they want to keep their legacy. But I think, I think once they get there. And once the people see the product, they're going to fall in love with the game. I think it's going to take them a little while to warm up to that Toronto name, and maybe next year or down the road they change to the Ontario Rock. Yeah. Um, but I do definitely think that it was a little bit of a misstep, and I think they're setting themselves back. But I think that you know, with the ownership group that they have in place, with the marketing marketing group, and with the actual team they have on a, on the floor, who I think can contend for a championship. I think that's going to make up for it, but I do agree with you. I think there's going to be a lot of people off the hop that are going to be very concerned that they're named a Toronto team, Um, but they've signed a long-term deal with that building. So they're not going anywhere anytime soon. So at least that's a a vote of confidence saying that, you know, we're not just coming here for one or two years. We're here for the long run. We want to be here in Hamilton. And I hope that's the case. I really do, Chris, because I think think Hamilton – is a no-brainer to have have a lacrosse. They have a lot of rich history. It's close to Six Nations. Uh, The Reserve as well, who also has a deep-rooted history in the game of lacrosse. Um, and also, just you know, tons of players that, that play in the league are from that area as well—the Hamilton, the Burlington. It's close to Oakville as well, um, as I mentioned, Six Nations. So it's so close to a, a lot of these lacrosse hotbeds that it makes no, like, it, it makes perfect sense. But we, I do agree with you, Chris. Having that Toronto name is certainly going to—I don't want to say—I know I'll say it—it's going to rub people the wrong way, and it already has rubbed people the wrong way.
1: I was going to say, and they have to find out a night for them to play. Cause I know the Bulldogs uh, main nights there are, I believe are Saturdays and Sundays. So I guess they're going to have to work with the uh, Hamilton Bulldogs and the uh, city of Hamilton for dates for the rock as well.
2: Yeah. So from what my conversations that I've had with the owner, Jamie Dowick and, and any conversation that I've heard him on air, he sounds like they're going to get a majority of their games on Saturday. So I assume they've worked something out with the Bulldogs. Maybe um, the way that they can work their schedule, the Bulldogs will have maybe more Sundays um, to start the year off. But then when the NLL comes, or sorry, Saturdays, but then when the NLL season starts, maybe they'll flip to more Sunday games or when the Rock are out of town, um, that's when Hamilton then will play those, uh, you know, those, those uh, Saturday night games. But that, that was a big reason why they moved to Toronto as well. Obviously, I said that, you know, just the, the attendance wasn't great. The building cost, uh, you know, so much. But it was also the fact that Toronto, because they were competing with, um, you know, with the Raptors and with the, the Leafs and with those concerts, they were getting a lot of Fridays, which is very tough to get to Toronto, as you know, with traffic. Um oh, on yes. a Friday night at seven or seven o'clock or seven thirty. So I know they're happy with that Saturday night. And that then allows people like I mentioned before from Oakville, Burlington, the surrounding Hamilton areas to get in as well.
1: Okay. And the next question I wanted to ask you, Pat, can you just tell my audience a little bit about Cool Bet Canada and what your role with uh with their organization is again.
2: Yeah, sure. So um Cool Bet Canada, we are um, you know, the most sport uh most player friendly sports betting book poker and casino website um on the market and we, we do really provide uh pride ourselves on being the most uh transparent gaming site um in the world as well. So uh, if you're a big fan of sports wagering, um come on over to coolbet.com, um slide into my DMs. Uh, at P. Greggy on Twitter or at P. Greggy22 on Instagram, and I'll hit you up with a little bit of a promo code to try out our website. But uh, yeah, so we uh, we're excited. You know, we're we're Canadian based um, company. We pride ourselves off being you know super Canadian, um, and then obviously with legislation passing recently. Um, you know, full single game betting is going to be allowed here in Ontario very soon. And we plan to be one of the first um, sports books that are going to be able to offer that to you, um, you know, uh, legally and and uh, fairly as well.
1: OK, thank you for that. And uh, now we're going to and- get some. Hmm?
2: Oh sorry I was gonna say in my role with the organization, I'm yeah. the uh, marketing and social media director. Uh, anything that you see on on our social media or anything on um, you know a- anything anything uh, our YouTube, any sort of digital, that's me. That's what I'm, I'm doing. I have a, a great staff below me as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I just take in charge of all the marketing, social media and video content I could say.
1: And I was gonna say that's huge nowadays too, for any uh, business in that is to get your presence out there on social media yeah. and video Absolutely. content as well. And I finally joined TikTok uh, five weeks ago. I, uh, I never thought I would, but you know what? I'm using it, and uh, I'm using it to promote my podcast and, and 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 it's if you use it the right way, it can be very helpful to get you more more exposure to your business or your podcast or whatever you're doing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you're already one step ahead of me, Chris. I'm not on TikTok. That's something that I've got to learn and, and got to hop on. I know all the kids are on it right now. So uh, good on you for, for learning. I think that's one thing in this industry that you do have to continue to do is learn and adapt um, as new technologies and as new things come on. Um, because, you know, with this industry and with any industry, really, um, the more you can do and the more you can market yourself, the better.
1: Definitely. Um, What I was going to say, I I was going to ask you something. I always write stuff down, but I I forgot to do that. But uh, I was going to say – yeah, well, now I remember. There are people actually my age or older on TikTok too. So I had I came into this uh, TikTok thinking, oh, it's only twenty-year-olds and young kids on it. But there's actually people that are my age or older on there as well, and it's just amazing. And uh, like you said, it, I think it's a great tool. And uh, I even noticed uh, OHL teams and even CFL teams are even on TikTok as now TikTok as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's definitely one of the m- more popular platforms for the younger generations, and I know a lot of um, brands, teams, they're trying to gauge to that that demographic, right? So, if you're looking for to grab on to that younger crowd, because as we know, um, their attention spans are very short, and TikTok's quick, quick little hitters, so. Uh, it, it's a, it's a no brainer. I think you gotta be on there.
1: Yeah. Uh, the only ones that there was the only one catch is if you want to go live and do a podcast or do a show on there, you have to have a thousand followers. So yeah. I've still got a ways to go yet, but you can also cut videos, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, uh, a minute, and then up to three minutes. So, uh, right now that's what I'm doing is cutting promos on there. And then I can actually transfer them onto uh, Instagram as well. So yeah, if you get a chance, I would check it out. I was going to ask you, is uh, the national lacrosse league on TikTok yet? Cause I think that would be good for their sport
2: too. Uh, I'm pretty sure they are. I should look um, that up. You could look it up. I'm sure it'd be at NLL or at the national yeah. lacrosse league. I know, I know they, I know they're, they're pretty spot on when it comes to, to, you know, promoting their, their stuff on social media. I know they're on all the platforms. So I I'd definitely give Take a look, see, and maybe give them a follow.
1: Yeah, because I know the Michigan Wolverines football team uh, finally went on TikTok as well. So, and yeah, just to, I'll put it on here, anyways. If anybody here is uh, watching or listening, you can follow me on TikTok at Live with CDP. So, just give myself a little promo right there.
2: Little shameless plug, never hurt anyone, Chris. No, no. So,
1: okay, so I got a few. In, you still okay for a few more minutes? I got some NFL yeah, sure. questions for you. What do you look forward to in the 2021 NFL season?
2: honestly i think i think this year well one just having fans back in i know we got a little taste of it near the end uh in certain buildings but it sounds like majority of the buildings are going to have um fans in the stands at close to full capacity if not full capacity so i mean you and i both know um, you know, the, the the game day experience of an NFL game is, is the best. And it's having the fans in the building, it makes such a difference. And uh, you can say what you will about home field advantage in certain sports and whatnot, but I do truly believe in, in the National Fo- Football League, a home field advantage certainly makes, makes a big difference. So having that back is great. But from an actual on-field um, standpoint, I do really honestly think that the majority of the teams that we saw have really successful seasons last year. I think they are the teams that are probably going to be pegged as the heavy favorites um, as well. So I don't know if it's going to be a, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of what we did last year, but I just do, I'm just really excited to see, you know, are the bills going to be able to repeat what they did last year? You know, it was last year, a fluke um, with the, the New England Patriots, not being great, or it, it, you know, is the, Has the torch been tossed, you know, passed to the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen or, you know, are the Patriots going to, I do think the Patriots are going to be much better than they were last year. I think it's not going to be, it's not going to be a cakewalk for that division. Um, But I mean, the the Bills should certainly be the favorites to win that division. I know from a betting standpoint, they are the heavy favorites right now. Um, but I'm just looking forward to just having football back. I know we had it last year. It was a little bit of a weird season, um, but I'm just excited to get things going again. I think there are a lot of great storylines. Um, you know, Tom Brady, can the Buccaneers, can they repeat the revenge tour for, for Kansas city? Um, you know, what are they going to be able to do to bounce back? They really improve their team, um, from an offensive line standpoint, which they needed to tremendously, as we saw in that Super Bowl final um, last year. But I I think it's going to be great. And I think one underrated aspect of of the season that I'm looking forward to is that NFC West division. I think that division, you look from top to bottom, the 49ers, the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals, um, all those teams are – I think any one of those teams, like to to see the Cardinals, they're probably the bottom team there, but – they're they're a great team. They made some great improvements as well. To to see that you know that there's potentially you know, one for sure team's not going to make it, but potentially two teams not make it from that division's crazy. I think that that division's going to be an absolute wagon. And the Rams, you know, adding Matt Stafford, I'm interested to see what he can do with that offense. And um, you know, with Sean McVay at the helm, a very creative coach. And the 49ers, what are they doing with their quarterback? Are they going to go with Trey Lance? Are they going to step with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? So. A lot of storylines I'm looking forward to, Chris.
1: Um, I think the Niners are going to stick with Jimmy G for now because uh, I don't know if Trey Lance is ready to uh, to go yet. And I don't think they want his confidence to get shattered. So uh, I, I really think the, the Niners will go with Jimmy G for now, just like the Patriots, I believe we'll go with Cam Na- Newton too, just because these are veteran quarterbacks and you don't want to lose them. And, 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 these younger quarterbacks, I think it's not going to hurt them to, to wait a little longer to get that opportunity. So my prediction right now is uh, Cam Newton and Jimmy G will be starting uh, the season off as quarterbacks. But for the mid-season or the end of the season, who knows? But I do think Mac Jones is a really highly inte- highly intelligent quarterback with a high football IQ. And I think that's something that Bill Belichick uh, uh, values in a quarterback and them taking him 15th overall in the first round, uh, the highest ever in a Bill Belichick era uh, for coaching for quarterbacks means something. So right now, I would say Cam and Jimmy G for now, but we'll see how long that lasts.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I do think that there's going to be pressure on both those teams to, to win right away, as I mentioned with, the patriots not a great season last year so that fan base is going to get very annoyed if they start out slow and cam newton's not playing great if we see the cam newton that we saw in the second half of that season they're going to be calling for mac jones to come in and, and try to you know
0: revitalize
2: their season and stay in the hunt for the division or even for the the, the you know the second spot in that or a wild card spot where you look at you know a team like the 49ers a lot of people are pegging them as a dark horse to, to win the Super Bowl. So, same thing. If they start out slow, and from what we've seen from training camp and, and some exhibition play with Trey Lance, obviously the talent is there. His yeah. arm talent is unbelievable. But as you said, making the jump, it's it's so big. And I think you got to go with, with Jimmy Garoppolo. The, the ceiling isn't nearly as high as, as a Trey Lance, but I think – they're going to be able to scheme the way, the way that the 49ers run that offense Um, you know, I, I think having a guy like Jimmy G he's going to be able to run that offense. No problem. We've seen him do, do it in the past. Um, And they've got a great defense as well. So I don't think they're going to rush to Trey Lance quite as quickly. Um, But I definitely think if the Patriots start out slow and Cam Newton doesn't look great, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Belichick to maybe make the jump to Jones.
1: Definitely, and that brings it up to my next question: Do you think having a regular off-season training camp in at least three preseason games will help with the NFL defenses in twenty twenty one? Because last year it was just like NBA basketball offense, offense, offense. Yeah. Do you think Do you think having a more normal training camp and some preseason football will help the defenses a little more this year?
2: Big time. Absolutely. I think it's going to help out huge. I do think it's also going to help out the offense because they've had their installs. They've had their mini camps. Like these guys have been, you know, practicing with their offenses and going through everything, being able to be, you know, at the facility during the off season where they weren't able to do that last year. They only could have a certain amount of people in the building. So that's obvious. I think it's going to help both, but defense is for sure. And I think we always see the offense have, um, that advantage at the start of the year, and then things starting to tighten up um, near the end of the year. Uh, I shouldn't say even the end of year after a couple of weeks, uh, but I think that gap is going to be much smaller than what we we saw last year uh, as well. And I think I think we're going to see some some great. And it's the thing too, Chris is. These preseason, the the more and more we 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 move on and players don't like playing in these preseasons games. And I think it you nailed it, it's not so much just the preseasons game, it's more of the actual regular training camp that they've been able to have. And I think that's just as important as having those three preseason games because as you see in preseason games all the time. Starters sometimes don't even get into the games, certain games, they won't be there um, or they'll you know play a couple of series and then they come out. I think it's that training camp, uh, the full training camp and that full mini camp and having players being able to to train at the facilities is a massive bonus as well. And I think the defense, we're going to see a lot more lower scores than we saw last year at the start of the year.
1: That's what I, yeah I, I I agree with that as well. Um, next question I wanted to ask you this is gonna be kind of hard to uh, who are your top five Super Bowl contenders as of now for Super Bowl 55 in LA?
2: another great question, Chris. I think obviously when you look like you, you gotta look at the two teams that were there last year um, you know in the in, in the Buccaneers. And in the chiefs, I think those are two teams that are, are, uh, no doubters, uh, to be, to be there at the end. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a rematch between those two teams. Um, but then when you kind of look down, I mentioned obviously already the 49ers. I think they're a team, um, if Jimmy G looks, you know, solid and he can run that offense that Shanahan wants to run, I, I think there's no reason why they can't be. So that's what I said. Three there, um, I got to put my Buffalo bills in there. I know it's going to be a tough task for them to, to to beat the, the, the chiefs. Um, But what we saw from them last year, I think if they can improve running the ball a little bit better, not relying on Josh Allen to throw the ball, you know, 40 times plus also run the ball 20 times. If you can alleviate some of his pressure by getting and establishing that, that run game a little bit more, their secondary definitely needed some help last year. I think they've improved there. Their linebacking core is a little bit better as well. So I think they're in the mix as well. And I would I would say on paper the Green Bay Packers, but because of such a circus of an offseason uh, with the Aaron Rodgers stuff, I'm not going to pick them. And I'll say the Baltimore Ravens is another team that I think could be that, that maybe in that fifth spot. Um, just based on how great their defense is, how great they run the ball. I think Lamar Jackson has taken a lot of steps forward. He needs to prove, though, can he play in those big games and come up with those big throws in those big moments? We haven't seen it yet. Um, we'll have to see if he can do it. But, Chris, it's crazy. I honestly think – I know I named those five teams there, but I do think the Chiefs and the Buccaneers are that much better than the rest of those teams. That They just – they have the it factor. They have the the two best quarterbacks – you know, two of the best quarterbacks in the game. You have Brady, who's one of the greatest, uh, and he's the the guy that if you need a big win or a big drive, he's the guy you're picking, doesn't matter his age. And then you look at, You know, Pat Mahomes, he's the most talented quarterback uh, in the game right now. Best quarterback, in my opinion, in the game right now. What we we see from him on a weekly basis is incredible, Um, but very well coached teams as well, too, with great defenses that I think are very underrated defenses, especially the Buccaneers. I think everyone was talking about Brady's offense, but they forgot to talk about how good that defensive line was. So I think there's a gap between the top two teams. Um, But those other three teams that I listed, I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to upset one of those two teams uh, in the conference championship.
1: Um, I was going to say, I like what Kansas City did with built their offensive line. They added to it, and they improved it, and getting yep. Joe Tooney from the Patriots is huge, and I think that's going to help Mahomes. I think it's going to protect him more. It's going to help the running game, and it's just going to help their offense better. I think they adjusted their needs. Tampa Bay didn't lose anybody. They kept their roster intact, which is huge. I like what Buffalo did with uh, their draft. Their pa- They added some pass, r- pass right. rushers. Yeah, they needed if, that. If they can get more pass rush for their defense, that's going to help their linebackers and it's going to help their Pro Bowl quarterbacks even do a better job. And um, I also think if Singletary and Moss can stay healthy, because I I like Singletary. He's like uh, the Phillies version of Miles Sanders. And then you got Zach Moss, who's a physical bruising type running back those two styles are huge so I think their running game is going to be huge with those guys and if these young guys they drafted uh, can help out with their pass rush because that will definitely make their defense better and you get Josh Allen and that offense the ball even more times a game and have that defense off the field quick it's going to make the Buffalo Bills so much tougher to beat in my opinion.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you nailed that, Chris. I think that's one thing that the Bills did do. And I thought last year, you know, their their cornerbacks were great, but I thought their safety struggled, you know, quite a bit. But that was because you said they had no pressure on the quarter on the quarterback. So that allowed the quarterback to have more time to wait, 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 throw the ball down the down the field. Whereas if you do impress, improve the the pass rushing that alleviates stress off your safeties that alleviates stress off your corners that alleviates stress off the linebackers and and it gives, and it's the same thing on the flip side. Um, If if they can run the ball, that's great. But if you can, if your O-line is strong, it's going to make your job a lot easier to run the ball. And it's going to make your job a lot easier to throw the ball, stay in the pocket. Josh Allen doesn't have to scramble all over the place. And I think that's one thing that this group took a major step last year because, a lot of Josh Allen's runs last year weren't scrambles; they were designed runs, and that's that's how uh, you know their offensive coordinator Dable likes to to scheme things up. Whereas last year, it, there would be times where it looks like he was running, or two seasons ago, he was running for his life, and that also has to do with with Josh Allen becoming a little bit more composed as well. Um, but I do think if you can get that running game, and I know we talked about this. Um, I think it was maybe after the playoffs or even in the off season, maybe the last time I was on here on Instagram live, you made it, you said it's, it's, it's huge. And if you can establish the run, I know it's not the, the, the old school um, pound it, but you still need a running game. You still need to at least have a threat, uh, to run the ball because if not, they're going to just back up and force you to pass the ball 40 times a game. And Josh Allen's an elite quarterback. Um, but throwing the ball 40 times, having him design run 20 times, that's just not a recipe uh, for long-term. Uh, and obviously they just signed him to a long-term uh, deal. They got to keep him healthy. They got to keep him safe.
1: Okay, and that leads to my next question. I only got a couple more for you. Uh, thoughts on the on the? – you've already mentioned the 2021 Buffalo Bills, but what, what's your thoughts on Josh Allen getting a six-year contract at $258 million and $150 million up front guaranteed?
2: I mean, it's, it's a lot of money. There's no denying that. It, it, it's a very, very hefty price tag, but I think it's earned. And I think you have to show confidence in your quarterback. You have to say you're the guy. You don't want to be a team like the Cowboys and have this circus that's been surrounding them with Dak Prescott. And uh, you you say what you will about that and, you know, continuing to give them the, the, the franchise tag and not really – Showing that vote of confidence, saying you're our guy, we're going with you going forward. That then allows the quarterback to know, okay, I'm safe here. This is my job. This is my team, um, and, and they. It, it just makes their lives a little bit easier. They don't have to worry about, oh, if I have a bad, you know, bad season here, or if I have a bad couple of games here, are they going to go to the backup? No, like Josh, you're our guy. And what we saw from him last year, the steps he was able to take, he was an elite quarterback. He, I, in my personal opinion up until maybe a couple of shaky games near the end of the season, he could have easily won that MVP. And Aaron Rodgers obviously just had a tremendous year. Right now, if you look at the betting odds for for, for, um, MVP, Patrick Mahomes is one, Aaron Rodgers is two, Brady is three, Josh Allen's four. He's in great company with those quarterbacks there. Am I saying he's better than all those guys? No, I'm not. But I'm saying he is, in my opinion, a top five quarterback in this league. I think he has to prove it, that last year just wasn't a flash in the pan but if he can do what he did last year there's no reason why he shouldn't be a top 5 quarterback
1: okay and i just got just a quick couple of questions and it's basically yes or no answers this one is can brady and the bucks repeat a super bowl champions and quick thoughts on the 2021 eagles and uh, second year quarterback uh, jalen hurts
2: so uh, with Brady and the Buccaneers, as I mentioned, I think those I, I said those top two teams that we saw in the Super Bowl last year are contenders. And I think they're they're until someone can prove that they're not, they are going to be the top teams. And it would not surprise me if we saw, you know, Brady and Mahomes go back at it at the Super Bowl. I think they're a tremendous team. You mentioned it. We saw Kansas City, uh, what they were able to do with their lineup. You know, they improved it, whereas the Buccaneers didn't improve, but they also didn't lose anyone. They brought everyone back. And if it's if it's not broke, don't fix it. And I think that's the approach that they went. Obviously, Brady, he's one year older. What are we going to see from him? But I'm not going to doubt him. I'm not going to do it. I've done it before where I've said he's yeah. getting older. So I'm done yeah. doubting him. Yeah. I'm done doubting him. When he shows that he's, he's aging, that's yeah. when I'll believe it. Um, so I'm, I'm done doubting him, especially in the big game. So as long as Brady's under center and he looks like what he's, what we saw him down the stretch, they're going to be a Super Bowl contender And the terms for, for the Eagles, to be honest, Chris, like, I mean, uh, obviously I follow a lot, uh, a lot of your stuff with the Eagles and I like to just, I like to be in tune with the entire league. So I'm always yes. following storylines and stuff. And from up until last night, everything that was happening in training camp, it seemed like it was very positive. Um, that receiving core looks electric in, in, in camp. Uh, they've done a great job bringing in some good weapons. And I, I, I just, obviously yesterday, and I, I know they didn't start Hertz, um, which would have been, would have been great to see him. And I understand there's two lines of thinking it's, you know, you don't always have to play your starters, but Hertz is a young quarterback. I would like to see him kind of get in tune in these game situations, getting that chemistry built with the offensive weapons. And, to not see him play last night and to see how much that hurt them. And I know they, they came out, they said what he was sick or something.
1: That's he had not, a dominant, he had abdominal pains and I guess they were that bad. And Nick Sarani said, if he's complaining about being in pain that badly, they sent him to the hospital, I guess I yeah, uh, to get so, checked out or whatever. So because so I think, some, yeah,
2: sorry. Go, no, no, continue, Chris.
1: Uh, I think the plan was to play him last night for maybe a quarter or whatever. But unfortunately, I guess something like this came up and they just wanted to err on the uh, side of caution. And I do think they have one preseason game left against the Jets. I do think you'll see Hurts in for at least uh, a quarter and a half because he hasn't had much time with Smith's uh, Rieger and Quaz Watkins, who you guys all should keep an eye on this year. Uh, oh, yeah. as one of the Eagle weapons, Quaz Watkins. He's one of the fastest guys in the National Football League. And I think if he can get the ball a little more too, that will help. Uh, I think the Eagles are still a work in progress. And I'm not making any predictions of how many wins. I do think they will be improved. Just not sure how much.
2: Yeah, I'm not too sure either. And I I said it, I think every time I've come on, on this podcast, Chris, that division is wide open in my personal opinion. Uh on paper the Cowboys are a great team but yep. they do this every every year. Every year we think this is going to be the year that they take that step and and, and they they do something here but until they they're the opposite of Brady it, it, I'll never doubt Brady until he proves me wrong. The Cowboys, I'll doubt them until they prove me right. So, and I know you you like to hear that because you hate the Cowboys being an Eagles fan. But I do think Washington, obviously, maybe you could peg them um, as the favorites. But, I mean, they're an improved team. Their defense is great, but I, I, I still... I don't feel comfortable saying that they're the heavy favorites to win. I think that division is, is wide open. And Nick Sirianni seems to be building a great culture around this Eagles team. And I, I like, I think, and I didn't really talk too much about Jalen Hurts, but I think if you watch Jalen Hurts during his college career, the two systems that he played in really, you know, played into his strengths. And last year I felt there was just far too many times where when he was in the game, he was forced into this, a lot of these tough passes and into tight windows. I think he's not that that type of player that's going to drop dimes everywhere. He's a great quarterback and he's a great game manager and he does have a pretty strong arm, but I think Nick Serrani is going to scheme him up to make him successful. And I think the run game is going to be important as well. And I think he has a lot more targets as well. As you mentioned, bringing in some great pieces, they drafted a couple. I, I think they're a team to be... I think they have everything in place to make an improvement. It's just we have to wait and see what improvements do happen with this team. But everything that I saw at a training camp, it it was looking really good up until that exhibition game, and the preseason game. But as we know, fans tend to to get really worked up. And, you know, we're just passionate. We're passionate about our team. It's it's just a preseason game. Yes, it wasn't a great effort, um, but I wouldn't be hitting the panic button anytime soon. I do think that I would like to see Jalen Hurts get some chemistry with these guys going. And yep. I want to see what kind of offense Serrani is going to run um, with this offense. But I do feel like you know, Hertz was kind of forced and rushed into some situations that, that weren't very great for him last year. And
1: I wasn't overly impressed. I know it was preseason. I'm not worried exactly of the win loss result, but uh, Joe Flacco is who he is. And Nick Mullins struggled last night. And my concern is if um Hertz gets hurt this year. They're gonna really struggle because I think Flacco's at the end of his career, and I think yeah. Mullins is what he is—a third-string quarterback. And one other concern I have for the uh, for Eagle fans is the pass rush. I like her secondary. I think our linebackers are okay, but if we cannot—if the sorry, I shouldn't say we—if the Eagles cannot get a pass rush, they're gonna struggle again defensively because if you can't put pressure on the opposition's quarterback. I don't care, Larry. Uh, It's going to make life very difficult for the uh, Eagles' defense if they can't generate some kind of pass rush.
2: Absolutely, it's true. We talked about it with the with the Bills, right? Yeah. We imagine that the, with the Bills improving their pass rush, it will yep. improve their entire defense. So, yep. um, you know, it's a copycat league, right? Look at the Buccaneers. Look what they have. They were able to do to Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. What they yep. have been able to do building that that pass rush. um, I think you're going to see more teams really start to invest in draft picks and invest in in free agency, um, getting these elite pass rushers. And even look at the Rams too. The Rams two years ago made it to the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, they're another team I probably should have put in that that race of that top five six teams to potentially. It all depends about true Stafford, but they're a team that you know gets to the quarterback really well. You look at all the best defenses in the game if you can put pressure on the quarterback, you're probably a top defense. So okay. um, the Eagles, it's, I said, I, I mentioned that how, you know, there are some interesting storylines. I certainly think that division there, um, you know, the NFC East, that is a division that I'm really interested to see because it's wide open. What team is going to take that next step? Whereas last year, it seemed like no one wanted to win that. No, division, right. No, no. So I think this is the year where, all those teams have an opportunity. They saw what happened last year. They need to, you know, go out and be that top team and take advantage um, of that division.
1: Okay. Last question, Freya. Actually, I'm going to make it a two part question. Sure. Can you just name maybe a couple NFL teams that could surprise in the 2021 season? And quickly, just thoughts on. Carson Winston in Indianapolis. You think it'll be a good fit with him and Frank Wright and Ken Carson? You think Carson could stay healthy enough to uh, help that coach team? Because to me, they're one of the teams I think could be a dark horse coming out of the AFC.
2: You know what? They were one of my dark horses coming in. And I do agree. Reuniting Wentz with Wright, I think that was huge. And I think he's a guy that is going to be able to, I don't want to say revitalize his career because he only had a couple of so-so seasons with the Eagles. And it it's comes down if he can be healthy. If he can be healthy, I think that is going to work. And I think, you know, the Colts are a team that can surprise uh some people. It's just now which quarterback do they go? Um, you know, to keep them afloat until Wentz comes back. To you go oh, with a guy like Jacob Eason? Um or Sam Ellinger. And I actually really like Sam Ellinger. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. It's just I don't think he's ready just yet. So you put Eason there, maybe you you just you don't have to run away with the division or anything. You just have to stay afloat. So when Wentz is back and healthy, you're not, you know, so many games back out of that division, but they're a team, obviously we saw last year, uh, a great defensive team, uh, a well coached team, um, you know, gave the bills a, a ton of fits in that playoff game. So they're a team that I think you, you have to keep an eye on, um, as long as w- Wentz can stay healthy. Some of the other teams that I am looking for, um, you know, to being that "quote unquote" uh, surprise, I think. I think if you do look at a team, it's tough to say really because I would maybe say, who am I going to say here? I will say on the other, maybe the other side, a team that will. That we're used to seeing be really good. I think a team like the New Orleans Saints, I think they're going to take a, a big step back. I don't know if I trust James Winston to take over for Drew Brees and I, Drew Brees was not the Drew Brees that we were used to seeing last year, but they're a team that it wouldn't surprise me if they missed the postseason for the first time and I don't even know how long but they're a team that would I think maybe could surprise us the other way. Another team that I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but I think the the Chicago Bears are a team that can surprise some teams. Especially if they go with Justin Fields, man, that kid is going to be elite. I know they have Andy Dalton, and I know he's reliable. You know what you're getting out of him. He's not going to win you a ton of games, but he's also not going to lose you a ton of games. So if they go with Dalton, I think their ceiling is – you know maybe a 500 team. Um but with a guy like Fields, man, I, you know, I I normally like when quarterbacks you you sit them learn under a backup and and yeah. kind of go through and learn to become a pro, but I just think that Justin Fields is a special special player. I think he's a guy that can come in right away and become an elite quarterback. Much like another team that I forgot to mention as my other dark horse, I would say is the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars are going to be a very good team this year. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to compete. I think Trevor Lawrence, obviously everyone knows he's, you know, one of the most highly touted prospects at quarterback that we've seen in the last, you know, few years, what he did at Clemson was tremendous. Um, He's proven in the last couple of years, he could run the ball as well. Not only just pass the ball, um, but, you know, I think they're a team that maybe might be able to surprise teams. Are they going to make the playoffs? I don't know. Um, You know, Urban Meyer, what we've seen him be able to do at the collegiate level is, is tremendous. Uh, but as you know, Chris, being a coach at, in, in the NCAA is way different than being a coach in the NFL. So I, I'm interested to see if he can continue to create that winning culture at the professional league level, um, that he is able to do what he's done with Florida and most recently with Ohio State. So those would probably be the t- two, three teams that I would say there's a bit of a surprise maybe that could happen.
1: Yeah, because to my knowledge, I might be missing something. But to me, Jimmy Johnson's really the only one I remember – In the last 20, 30 years has come from college football and had a lot of success in the National Football League. And I see the Cowboys are finally putting Jimmy Johnson in the ring or honor. And that should have been done 20, 25 years ago because without Jimmy Johnson, they don't win those back-to-back Super Bowls or even get to the third one. Because I know Barry Switzer was their coach for their third Super Bowl win, but that was still Jimmy Johnson's team.
2: Yeah, no, no doubt. And I I think uh, like, I mean, even look at a guy like Nick Saban, in my opinion, the greatest, the greatest collegiate coach in in NCAA history. And, you know, he had a cup of coffee in, in the NFL and it didn't go as planned. And he went right back to the NCAA and he probably could have had many opportunities to take over an NFL coaching job. and. When you're coaching kids it's a lot different than you're coaching guys that are making millions upon millions of dollars. You can't talk to them the way that you can and a big thing is is recruiting, you know. Yeah. You still have to recruit in the NFL, but you're recruiting for money whereas you know at the at the you know the collegiate level you're recruiting for kids just to come out and play for your team and go to that school. So it, recruiting is a much much bigger thing than it is in the NFL because you know, you have eight agents that you're dealing with. You have general managers who are pretty much dealing with that, where the head coach really is not too, too involved. So that they're probably talking to some of the bigger free agents to try to, you know, smooth them into coming. But at the most part, it's the GMs that are doing the recruitment. So, um, yeah, very, 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 very solid, solid point there, Chris, for sure.
1: Okay. Well, I was going to say, Pat, I'm going to let you go, but I just want to say uh, thank you so much for coming on my podcast for a third time. And before no I let you, thank you. And where can uh, people find you again on social media besides Twitter? I've got your uh, uh, Twitter, IG or name right down there. Where else can they find you on Instagram and where else?
2: Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram as well. It's the same thing there at P Greggie, but add a number 22 at the end. So at P Greggy, 22, that's on Instagram. Um, you can also just give us a follow at cool Bet Canada uh, as well at cool Bet Canada. Um, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well, um, you'll probably see my face on there doing some video content as well. With the NFL ramping up, we are really going to ramp up our our content as well. Do some live shows, some live streams, some betting previews, um, you know, things like that. So with the NFL, it's when it comes to to betting. The NFL is the king. It it comes, you know, it's it's such a big part of of the football culture um, from a fan perspective. So we're looking forward to that, no doubt. Um, And yeah, and if you're a lacrosse fan or looking to get involved in lacrosse, you'll be able to see me um, next Friday um, for the National Lacrosse League draft. The pregame show, I believe, starts at seven o'clock. If you're in Canada, um, you can stream that at TSN.ca, or if you have a smart TV or a fire stick or anything like that. um, You can bring up the TSN direct app and watch it exactly there.
1: Okay. Well, thank you again, Pat, for coming on. And I'd like to definitely have you on again, maybe during uh, the NFL season, half the regular season's done and to talk about the first half of the season and maybe just uh, before the NLL cross uh, league
2: starts up as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. I'd love to. And Chris, I can't believe I blew this yesterday or was it yesterday or a couple of days ago i threw on your t-shirt and it's in the dirty wash right now i was gonna wear it to the show i completely forgot to to clean it for you so next time you have me on i promise i will wear your t-shirt thank you again for for uh, sending me that t-shirt there so um i enjoy it. i wear it all the time I, I i have it all on all the time today i'm wearing my my cool bet hoodie but uh yeah. I, don't worry i, I wear that T-shirt. it's comfortable it's a comfortable t-shirt yeah. too.
1: And I'm also my uh, speaking of that, I'm getting my own uh, live with CDP hats made up and I already got my mug made up and, uh, I already bought uh, from GoDaddy a domain name for a website. So my, I'm hoping my friend in London will be able to help me with a website. But eventually I will have my own website and I will have my podcast on my website. So as for Facebook, I'm not going to worry about that site anymore. I've uh, I've survived without it for 30 plus days and uh, there is life without that uh, website. So as soon as I get my website up and running, I will let you know as well. And I'm also on Twitch now instead of Facebook too, uh, Twitch live streaming, which is something if you want to check out Twitch live streaming.
2: Yeah, Twitch. I mean, to bring it back to Coolbet, we have a couple of Twitch streamers that we sponsor that uh, go on to our live casino and, and stream there. And Twitch, is, it's huge. It's huge. It's not just gaming. I think a lot of people hear Twitch and they just assume, oh, it's video games. Yep. I mean, the majority of the people that are on Twitch, it is video games, but there's sports po- video podcasts, as I mentioned, yep. casino uh, streamers. There's a ton of stuff on Twitch and good on you, Chris, for continuing to find different ways to promote yourself and to promote your brand.
1: Yeah. And, uh, if you want to follow me on there, it's cpame19 on Twitch.
2: Beautiful. Beautiful.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to let you go, Pat. I hope you have a great day and weekend and we'll definitely stay in touch and we'll definitely have you come back on again sometime in the fall to talk some NFL and and a little bit more about the uh, upcoming uh, National Lacrosse League season, which I hope to uh, attend a game or two this year in Hamilton.
2: Absolutely, Chris. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll make it a game where they're playing Halifax in Hamilton and uh, maybe I'll come come and check that game out with you.
1: Definitely. Count me in. Okay Pat well thank you so much and we'll we'll talk to you soon buddy
2: No problem Chris thanks for having me as always and and keep up the grind buddy you're killing it Thank you so much. I really appreciate
1: it. Uh, Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed my podcast today with Pat Gregor from uh, uh, Coolback Canada and from the Halifax Thunderbirds. And I was just thinking before Pat left that it's been almost two years since I met Pat on uh, a sports trip I did September 2019 uh, with Elite Sports Tours, uh, seeing the Eagles take on the Packers at Lambeau Field. And I'm hoping again, maybe in 2022 uh, to uh, do another sports trip again across the border uh, with Elite Sports Tours. And that's a company I would check out as well because I had so much fun. Great seats, great food, great drink. And it was a good time uh, doing the Packers-Eagles game at Lambeau Field. And I would love to go back uh, to Lambeau Field, even though I'm an Eagles fan. It's uh, it's a bucket list issue. A bucket list must for anyone who's a National Football League fan and a sports fan as well. Uh, anyways, guys, just to let you know, I do have a, a second podcast today at 3 o'clock. So, yeah, my next th- uh, podcast will be today, 3 o'clock, which is about an hour and a half from now guest mike comedo uh he's a writer for the la kings website he's a team historian for the ohl Sudbury wolves and he's also the author of the hockey uh, 365 uh, series so i hope you guys can uh, tune in in about an hour and a half and uh we'll talk to mike about his career in hockey as well and some comments shane train 26 hey guys long time listener first time caller Shane, thank you for uh, watching my Live with CDP here on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch live streaming. I really appreciate that. And I hope you're doing well. And uh, before I go, guys, I'm just going to let you know what I do with my podcast after I'm done live. Uh, live with CDP podcast, the audio version, as downloaded after each live show, is on Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, uh, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify and CastBox as well. So, again, I just want to say thanks to Pat Gregor from Coolback Canada uh, for coming on today and talking some sports. And I look forward to uh, my next guest at 3 o'clock again, Mike uh, Committal. Uh, writer for the LA Kings website, and like I said, uh, team historian for the Sudbury Wolves. He'll be on at three o'clock. So anyways, guys, I just want to say thank you to everybody for watching live with CDP. And we'll see you guys in about an hour and a half uh, live on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch live streaming. Have a great afternoon, people. (laughs) Have a great afternoon, everyone. We'll talk to you at three o'clock with Mike.